We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 112. Today, we get to hear a beautiful story of a rider and horse owner who was so dedicated to helping her horse feel better and perform better from the inside out with lots of help from doctors and a wonderful ulcer medication. She also is part owner of the brand new equine rehab facility called Unbridled Equine Rehab. Let's hear it from our guest, Kate Wallace. So I feel like you have such an amazing story. I want to hear all the details or as much as we can fit into this episode. Tell me how you first got into the equestrian world. So I started, my mom rode, and so I just followed my mom everywhere she went. So I was at the barn with her a lot. I think I was a kid with lots of extra energy. So my mom just had to like put me in her side and I did everything with her. So I started riding when I was seven. My mom was actually a professional braider on the A circuit up here in the Chicagoland area all while I grew up, which is really how the only way we could afford for me to ride. So I'm so grateful that my mom worked basically two jobs and she would braid all night and then come down and watch me in the pony ring and then go home and sleep and come back and do it, you know, the next day. So I got my first pony when I was in fourth grade. And so just showed locally, and I'm, I'm only 5'3", so back then I was even smaller. So I uh, got, you know, charged as like the, the pony jockey and just rode a lot of yeah. young and little ponies because I was so small. So I really never even got to my junior years because by the time I was in high school, I had outgrown my pony and just took a little bit of a break. So I was really like just a pony rider. So when I came back later to ride, it was like, oh, this is different because <laughs> all I had done was ponies <laughs> yeah. before that. So Wow. So you took some time off. What brought you back to riding again? So I got married young. I got married when I was 22. Oh, and I rode a little bit like, in, oh, did you? Yeah. yeah I like, <laughs> yeah, we've been married 16 years. Wow. We have three kids. And when we met, I was like kind of catch riding this pony whose kids didn't ride it anymore. It was a large pony. And so the owner was like, listen, you need a horse and I need a rider. So I would just go when I was in college, I was in college locally here. So I could go ride and I didn't have to pay and he didn't have to pay me. So it worked really well. And then once we got married and had kids, you know, I just decided that that was what I was going to do. I'm not someone who can like, when I do something, I'm all in. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that if I was having babies and also doing the horse thing, you know, horses are way more gratifying sometimes than raising kids, at least, you know, so I I knew that I needed to just focus my energy on being a mom for a while. But my husband knew the deal was like, when we're done with this, pal, like you're, we're getting a horse. Yep. So he made good on that. So when my youngest was two, I started back just taking lessons. And then within like a year and a half, I was just about to start looking for a horse. And my mom was in Wellington for a couple of years, not braiding, not riding, just she'd always wanted to go down there. So she went and found a random job, but wanted to be down there so she could go watch like the Friday night lights and sort of experience that, even though she wasn't still doing horses. So she wasn't doing horses. And then someone said, hey, we got this really cute mare. And she's like, oh man, you know, okay, I'll go see her. Hmm. So she went and um, looked at this horse and thought she was really pretty and 
my mom had to sell a horse that she had imported through a series of unfortunate events. His name was Romeo. It was really heartbreaking for her to have to give him up and sell him, but she did. And so when she was done trying this mare, they said, well, you know, she's like, what's her name? And they said, oh, her name's Juliet. And my mom's like, oh, geez. Mm-hmm. So like, <laughs> okay, I'll take her. Yeah. Wow. So mom had her for a year and she just was a mess. She was six. She probably would have gone on to a kill pen, but I think she's so pretty that they mm-hmm. were like, ah, oh, it's just a shame. And my mom was like, well, I'm up for the challenge. So my mom spent a year just doing like groundwork and really regaining her trust. And then when mom wanted to move home, I'm like, well, why don't I ship her here? Because we're all the way up in Chicago. So it's not cheap to ship. And I said, and then, and mom, you know, was like, I don't really know that she's going to be for me. And I said, okay, well, I'll pay to ship her. I'll pay what you've got into her. And then she'll be mine. So that was Mm -hmm. how I ended up with Juliet. So she really did find me. I didn't ever actually go shopping for a horse. Um, like I had planned to. Yeah. Wow. So then tell me a little bit, like, what was it like when she arrived in Chicago? Do you, like, do you remember what that yeah. was yeah. when you first, is because that, is that when you first really saw her in person? I had never seen her in person. Wow. Yeah. So she, I, I walked up on the semi and I'm like, which one's her? Like I knew she was a bay, but she had been out in the fields in Florida. So she was all bleached out. Yeah. She looked like a beach babe. So she was so loud and she was so like high energy and yelling. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like, what did I get myself into? And we would put her on a lunch line and just, she was so sensitive. So we just took our time. I remember people in the barn and be like, is there something wrong with your horse? Yeah. Like, no, like she's not lame. She's not anything. She just like could not be ridden without having like a kind of a, a conniption fit. Mm-hmm. And she had developed a real propensity to rearing. I tell people she came with two things, a killer lead change and a rear. Wow. And yeah, it was, it was, it's interesting. Like to say, Oh, isn't that scary? It was like, it was, but she's so athletic and smart that she never did it. Like she never flipped over. Like it was very calculated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know now that she was trying to tell me that there were some things going on, hmm. but at the time I was like, okay. So I just like learned not to poke the bear mm-hmm. and kind of get along. And that was what we just came along for a few years of just like, you know, some days she'd be great. And other days you'd go to Canada and she'd rear or you'd jump mm-hmm. a course, she could jump the moon. And then after the course was over, she'd stop and rear. And I'm like, what in the world? Yeah. But, and I was like, you know, so you didn't want to touch your mouth. So she, she taught me how to ride her so yeah. that I wouldn't upset her. Yeah. And I didn't realize that until years later of like, geez, she's really trained me well. <laughs> but you know, when your safety's at stake, and like I said, it was never malicious. Mm -hmm. something for sure was not right. Right. At what point did you, you know, at first you were just getting to know her, testing the waters. At what point were you like, okay, this behavior isn't just her or like something she's a bad habit she's developed. This is out of like pain or discomfort or something she's trying to tell you. Yeah. So I think a couple years into it, and this is weird, but a couple years into it, so we had her on Regimate, which kept mm-hmm. her like a little bit because she just was always yelling and screaming. She couldn't even be turned out when we got her because yeah, she would just run. So now she's out in the pasture for hours. It's funny that it's the same horse, but we had tried. She she started cycling through Regimate, and so the mm-hmm. best like, have you ever taken an ultrasound of her ovaries? I'm like, well, no. So yeah. we did that and saw that one of them was really big. Huh. He's like, listen, he's like, we're already on Regimate. Like, you know, she's cycling through it. There's no other medicine that's going to be stronger and you can't just, you know, give her, you know, gobs of that. I ended up consulting with um, the head surgeon at Purdue 
and um, then with our vet, our local vet here, and actually decided to have her ovaries taken out. And that was um, a lot cheaper, actually, than a year of Regimate. Wow. And was like a six or eight week recovery. They took them out of her flanks, but the one on her left side was twice the size of the other and was covered oh my in gosh. <gasps> so that was a huge game changer for her. And in my mind at the time, I was like, well, glad we solved that problem. Like life can go on like normal. When you have to tell your husband, like, honey, my horse needs her ovaries out. He was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> like things I thought I'd never say. Right. But that was a big game changer for her and what I thought would be sort of the end of our problems. I really yeah. did. Yeah. You're like, the rearing's going to go away, the Absolutely. attitude. Yep. So then she yep. had some time off to recover. You started riding yep. her again. And what happened? Yep. So that was in, she had him out in July. By September, we were back going and she was better, but still would have these intermittent rearing spells. And it always, always was when I would ask her to canter. Hmm. Always. That was consistent. So in that time, she'd had her, like when I would tell the vet, something's not right. No one could figure it out. So they would, they would name it as like a vague lameness. However, if we ever did any type of like flexion or any type of diagnostics, she would never show up lame. And like, ironically, in the six years I've had her, she's never been lame a day in her mm, life, like wow. never, except when she got kicked in the leg, she was lame, but like wow. on her own, she's never been lame. So we did her hocks and like, you know, oh, that might just help her feel better. One vet had us do a thing of children. Oh, that Mm. just might help her feel better. And so it would for, you know, a week or two and you'd be like, yay. And then it was like, no, finally in. And so this whole time I was still doing the hunter jumpers with her trainers around here. And then that's when I was like, okay, I, you know, I can't, you're, I guess at that point she was nine or 10. And I'm like, I can't retire you. Like you're lovely Mm -hmm. as can be. But like, you're not very good at being a horse. Like you can't be turned out. You don't like to be cantered. Like it just was frustrating. Mm -hmm. So I took what I thought was sort of the nuclear option and did something I thought I'd never do. And I consulted a dressage trainer who was local, but he had a reputation for working with horses that just had issues. And so I reached out to him and I said, you know, I don't never sell her because I know what will happen. She'll hurt somebody or they'll hurt her. So I said, she's mine, but I got to find something to do. So he did. He took us on and we, um, as I said, never ride dressage because it's so boring. And now I ride dressage. (laughs) Not boring at all. But I do have a jumping saddle. I jump her once a week and I ride dressage the the other days. It's actually pretty awesome. Wow. Um, But he really helped us get her moving laterally and doing things that she just didn't even know how to do in her Hmm. body. And again, we would make progress. But if you like in her, like I would say like boxed her in where if you didn't give at the right time, you gave leg her, you would feel this almost like flash of like, and she's going up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could never really get into her because, and you know, and I'm not even talking about aggressively. You couldn't even correct her to a fine where she'd get so offended. Right. So this was still going on. So this was, I was there a year. So like over a year and into the next summer, like I I said, progress was made. People couldn't believe how different she was just from this, but it's still, we still had these roadblocks to progress. And then I had to decide, okay, is this a mental thing? Like from whatever Mm -hmm. happened to her in her first six years, is this just what she can give me? Or like, is there something else going on? Yeah. So then at that point, I mean, how did the idea of ulcers, you know, pop in your head or a vet's head or or where did that idea come about? (laughs) 
So I literally like never had. So one of the things that's hard about riding as a kid, taking a break and coming back as an adult was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I took care of my horse, but like my mom, I was 12, 14. Like my mom scheduled vet appointments. Like I didn't know that kind of stuff. So Dr. Hoyt Sheremy is like one of the leading ulcer doctors in the country. He's actually from this area in Barrington, but now works for Bullringer Ingelheim, who makes GastroGuard. They hired him out of private practice, basically. Cool. So our local practice called us because we have a pretty big barn and said, hey, we want to have Dr. Sheremy come in and do an ulcer clinic. What that is, is that we let horses from your barn and then you can have people trailer in. So I think they could do maybe eight or nine that day. Dr. Sheremy would do it for free. He would use it as a teaching opportunity to this local vet that was hosting him and then do like a seminar at night. So I was like, Oh, cool. Cool. So, you know, you read like, you know, signs of ulcers and it was like, you know, they have you know bad coats and no muscle and they can't gain weight. And I'm like, okay, like, that's not my horse at all. She didn't look anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I skipped the free scoping and was like, you know, I'm going to just let other people whose horse probably really have ulcers, like mm-hmm. take advantage of this opportunity. Like I just, that's fine. Yeah. So I didn't sign up because, you know, my horse didn't in my mind, like, yeah, she was girthy, but she's a mare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's whatever, but she's a tricaner mare. So like, mm-hmm. that's fine. The only thing she's not is the chestnut. She's a bay. So other than that, <laughs> like, I can explain away like all of her behaviors. So then the barn manager's like, hey, they're doing this seminar tonight. Do you want to come? And I'm like, oh, okay, fine. And she's like, it's free dinner. And I'm like, okay, I'll go. It'll be <laughs> fun. We can hang out. So we sit down at dinner and he starts explaining more in depth about how horses' stomachs are designed and how they get them and what other things he could see and how he got into being you know, the scoping expert, like he didn't graduate the vet school looking to be the ulcer doc, you know? Yeah. And so at the end of dinner, I turned to my best friend's barn manager and I was like, yeah, so my horse for sure has ulcers. Mm. And started laughing and she's like, you think? And I'm like, yep. So I just went up to him afterwards and gave him like the five minute version. And I said, do you think it's worth scoping her? And he said, yeah. So I, my vet was there because they were the ones hosting dinner. I'm like, all right, when can you scope her? So I think within like three days, they had her on the schedule. So wow. that was in June of 2019. Okay. And what did they find? <laughs> so they, yeah, I mean, talk about mom guilt. So mm. they go in, so they go in through their nose and she was so great. She's like, okay, here's her esophagus. Here's the stomach. And she was explaining how it all works. And as soon, so what they do is they have to put the scope in and then like flip it. So it comes back on its to look so like as they're doing this positioning of it you get to see a lot yeah so the horse's stomach's divided into two pieces the top part's like the squamous part of the stomach that doesn't have any protection at all for stomach acid and then the bottom part the glandular part of the stomach does so it has a protective lining of it although it still can get ulcers uh, and they're not completely sure why but they can get them that way as well so mm-hmm. right away we could see the squamous ulcers they look like little red craters all over her stomach. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's like, I felt terrible. Mm. And they're just raw spots all over her skin. And I'm like, every time I ask you to canner, that's what like you're feeling stomach acid burning those things. Like I just felt terrible. And then she also had a glandular ulcer as well. And so, yeah, I was like, okay, I'm glad we did that. And we, you know, decided on a regiment for her and we're, you know, we're on it. I was all over it, but I Hmm. felt pretty terrible. Yeah. With something that, I mean, that significant that you found, what was the initial protocol for you to do to get her back on the right track? 
So the standard protocol is 28 days of GastroGuard. So they get full tubes. Mm-hmm. So GastroGuard is, which is basically just omeprazole, is for the squamous ulcers. So that actually is like a proton pump inhibitor. So it keeps the level of stomach acid down, mm-hmm. which gives them those squamous ulcers sometimes to heal. And then when they have the glandular ones, there's two options. The sucralfate, which we did first, you give it to them on an empty stomach, like first thing in the morning, and it acts like a Band-Aid. So that way it protects that glandular tissue so that it can heal itself because it's designed to heal itself. You just have yeah. to give it a little help. If sucralfate doesn't work, they'll go to mesoprostol, which is a lot more expensive, but it's stronger. And then that can do heal those same glandular ulcers as well. So she was on the 28 days of GastroGuard. So in the morning, the guy who worked at the barn with her, first thing would give her a full tube of GastroGuard. Then he'd have to wait and give her her sucralfate and then wait a little bit longer. And then she could have hay. And then again, in the afternoon, they'd have to bring her in from the pasture, let her wait like 30 to 50 minutes to get her stomach, you know, so it's not, doesn't have food in it. Because if, the sucre, if there's food in her stomach, the sucralfate can't stick to what it needs to basically. Right. So they would do that again in the afternoon for a month. Okay. And then the idea is then you scope again at the end of 30 days and see where she's at. Okay. Wow. So and what, what happens after 30 days? <laughs> so I would say within two weeks, of the treatment, I noticed a difference. She always wanted to go really high headed and kind of like hollow out her back and like, okay, a lot of horses do that, but it was like, she really wanted to do that. Yeah. So within a couple of weeks, there were people that didn't even know her that well, like, wow, she's so calm. I'm like, yeah, I know. Wow. Or they would say, wow, look at her, like reaching through her back and putting her head down while you're riding her. And I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. Like people mm. that weren't even in like my, we have a big barn. So there's people yeah. that don't know her as well. were yeah. shocked. So we, after the 30 days, the squamous ulcers were healed, which is what GastroGuard is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that glandular ulcer was still there and they can be a little more are stubborn. So we decided yeah. to continue doing the sucralfate and then we just tapered off the gastroguard. Wow. I mean, and you said that you noticed like even after two weeks, what has been over this longer period of time, where has her like behavior and mood, what has it become now in the ring? Yeah. So like, I, I can't even believe I get to say this, but like, I can't tell you the last time she reared. And I can like really, you know, in dressage, you're really closing the door. If you're holding up front and I'm not holding her, she won't let me. But like, Mm -hmm. if I'm taking a feel up front while applying leg to try to get her to compact a little, like she might like give me a little like, Hey mom, that's hard. But that flash that I would feel like, Mm -hmm. okay, and we're going up. I literally have not had her do that since she's since we took care of these. So, or she was rearing like weekly, sometimes daily she still gets mad at me and she still wants to rear or she still wants to get frustrated. Like if we're really working on something that's hard, but Mm -hmm. she does not rear anymore, which I never thought I would be like, I thought I would spend the rest of our time together, just riding her the way I know how, so that I don't, like I said, poke the bear so that I don't incite that sort of anger from her. And she doesn't do that at all anymore. She's so chill, which for a trainer mare, especially mine, like I said, I never thought, I remember riding um, with my friend, Katie, they were both her horse and my horse were at the same barn. And we'd be talking and Juliet would just start hopping up and down and rearing. I'd be like, Mm. hang on, like, I've got to deal with this. So I remember telling the guy I worked with here when I, when I moved her to get some help, I just said, you know, he goes, why, what do you want from her? Like, what's your deal? Like, why are you here every day? What makes you show up? And I said, honestly, 
Like, I just want peace, like not only for me, but really for her. So whatever that looks like, like she's mine. I accept that this is just the horse that I'm going to have and mm-hmm. keep. Like she came to me, you know, somehow she was born out East, ended up in Florida and then got here to me like, okay. Yep. So I just wanted to be able to like go ride with Katie and not have to say, hang on, I got to mm-hmm. deal with my rearing horse. So to me, that was my goal and whatever she could or couldn't do in a show ring at this point, like I had to just learn to do horses different. I'm a mom, like Mm -hmm. I can't be gone all the time. My schedule doesn't allow it. And so she's really taught me to, you know, enjoy like the fact that I get to go ride a horse every day. Most moms don't get to do that and just take it back to why, what, what makes like what drives me to be here. Hold that thought. I wanted to take a minute to talk about our podcast sponsor. The Tried Equestrian is the ultimate online consignment destination for the modern rider, bringing you tack, apparel, footwear, and accessories at seriously unbeatable prices. Their selection of both brand new and lightly used items are updated daily and features all of your favorite brands such as Tailored Sportsman, Parlanti, CWD, Oglavy, Cavalleria Toscana, and so many more. And they're up to 80% off the retail prices. You can shop or you can sell yourself and request a free consignment kit at triedequestrian.com. You can also use code podcast15 for 15% off your first purchase. Thank you so much, Tried Equestrian. Let's head back to the episode. From being a part of this area of, I guess, like veterinary help and medicine and, and ulcer related issues. What have, what have those vets said as far as the amount of horses that have ulcers? It's like staggering. I mean, they'll say up to 90% of stalled horses have them. I think wow. sometimes the 90% is referred when they're referring to race horses, like to thoroughbreds. He said, Dr. Jeremy said the only breed that has a natural built-in protection because of their personality is a quarter horse. Mm. Um, he said, but warm blood thoroughbreds, like they're more prone to them. Yeah. Obviously like, you know, Tricaner mares probably run a little hotter and more nervous than yeah. like, you know, a, a gelding. Mm-hmm. So they can be prone that way. And I think the other thing that I've really learned through this is because we did scope a number of horses in that clinic. So the horses that I saw scoped, not one of them had a problem with weight gain. Not one of them had problems with their coats are beautiful. They're very mm. well cared for. A lot of the ones we saw just had the glandular ulcers and you would get in there and you would hear things like, oh, well, that's not that bad. You know, why are they reacting the way they are? And it's like, well, because horses have different pain tolerances the mm-hmm. way people do. So some horse might have an ulcer and could care less, while another one might have this tiny little glandular mm-hmm. ulcer, but have every symptom of having ulcer. Yeah. So we can't say, you know, whatever, you know, based on the severity, my mare was were terrible and I was riding her every day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's hard to say. And that's why I think, you know, until you scope, you don't actually know what you're dealing with. You don't like you can guess, but a lot of times, like if they don't have squamous ulcers and they only have glandular ulcers, they may only put you on like a couple weeks of GastroGuard and then right. you need the meds. So like you just saved 500 bucks. Yeah. So and the other really cool benefit and why, like I have no ties to Bowling or Ingelheim, except that I buy a lot of their products mm-hmm. <laughs> because of my horse. But what happened was we treated her, we tapered her off and her squamous ulcers came back. Mm-hmm. So our vet contacted them and said, Hey, like we followed your protocol. It was 28 days. Here's what happened. And they were like, okay. So they actually sent me another month of gastro guard for free. Ooh. They had me treat her another month. 
they paid for her to be scoped at the end of the month because we had followed the protocol and, and had like a treatment failure yeah. is what they called it. So like their customer service, like you're paying a lot and, and GastroGuard is the only one that's like FDA proven to heal ulcers. So yeah. while you pay a lot, it's super effective. And like I said, for me, their customer service won me over because we did do what they say. And when she had a relapse, they didn't waver at all about saying, okay, like we're on, we're in, let's get this taken care of. Right. Um, she was a really stubborn case and and they were great. So amazing. I love that. I feel like I always, a common question that I get and hear from people is what is the difference between gastroguard and ulcer guard? <laughs> that is a good <laughs> question. And I was loving people say, well, I think one works better than the other. So gastroguard, you have to have a prescription for. Okay. Ulcer guard, you by weight and ulcer guard is dosed by dose or score doses. They are every bit exactly the very same medication. Mm-hmm. When they came out with the gastro guard and presented it to the FDA and said, here's how we're going to market this. They were going to do the weight on one side of the stick and then the dosing marks on the other side of the stick. And mm-hmm. the FDA was like, nope, that's too confusing. People will never figure that out. You need to do a second product. One huh. is for the treatment of, and one is for like the maintenance of. Got it. So they're the very same product. So when I need stuff like that, I go online, shop where I can find the best price. And whether it's ulcer guard or gastro guard, if it's ulcer guard, I have to dose it like in quarters myself. So, it's, you know, you're being a little bit more estimating because your mm-hmm. lines are different. Yep. But the, the actual product is the same. They only did that for marketing reasons because the FDA made them. Got it. So currently, do you have Juliet now on UlcerGuard? So I have kept her on a quarter tube of of UlcerGuard for a while. I would say, so like there's 75 horses where I'm at. There is not one other horse that they've seen or that I've seen that's had this reoccurrence like she has. And once we got her scoped clear after a few months, I just said to the vet and and talked to Dr. Sharon, like, can I just like keep her on a quarter tube? So that I don't have to do this again. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, you can, and you'll read articles that say you don't, cause you're doing all these, you know, you're going to make them do more acids. People have different opinions on sure. it. In her case, it was like, well, I know, and I've scoped her since just, I check on her like once every six months or once a year, just because mm-hmm. hers were so bad Yeah, and she'd had them probably her whole life, but that's not normal. And yeah. actually when we move her or move into to a new barn that has just a little bit different setup and a little bit different way they feed. So I'm actually, my goal is I will treat her when I move her um, because it's going to be stressful on her. So I'm going to be proactive the same way I would before a horse show or whatever, but then I'm going to wean her off and see how she does because I don't, I don't need that lifetime expense. And if that's what it takes, that's my commitment to her, you know, is that's part of the deal. But that's the the nice thing about ulcers is they're so treatable and there's Mm -hmm. just these little things you can do in their day to keep them at bay. And that's not super expensive. That's just being intentional. And that's just knowing how their bodies work, how their stomachs are designed. And if you just know that and do these little things, like you really can keep them away. My horse is a really rare case, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, The other horses here who we've treated, we have had very little reoccurrence and they go on and do really well. And these are all competitive dressage horses. Amazing. Speaking of your big move, tell me a little bit about what's going on in your life right now and a little bit about (laughs) what you're doing with Unbridled Equine. Okay. So Katie Hawkins of Unbridled Equine and I met when I started taking lessons again after having kids. So just about 10 years ago, 
I knew she had had like a rough pregnancy and I did too. So when I met her, I said something like, how are you? And she's like, oh, fine. And she's like, you know, being just nice because we had just met. And I was like, pregnancy sucks, huh? And she like <laughs> did a double take at me like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I heard. And I'm like, and I get it. So like, that was like when we bonded. Wow. So we've been friends ever since. And you know, our girls hang out, which her girls are just a little younger than my kids. And so they're buddies. And so we just do life together. So Katie has done the massage thing now, my goodness, for probably just over four years. And this last summer, I bought and signed up and took the classes to become a certified uh, MagnaWave PEMF practitioner. So awesome. I started doing that. So I'll help her like when she's got a day with a bunch of horses for her to massage and then Magna wave, she'd be there till two in the morning. So I'll go and help her um, with some of the time there. But this summer I was in Vail with my family on vacation, hiding out, but needed to get away. Mm -hmm. She called me and she said, I know how you are. I probably shouldn't tell you this on vacation, but I have an idea. And I'm like, well, now you got to tell me. (laughs) She said, you know, it's been on my heart. She's like, it's been in my like 10 year plan to open up a rehab center. And I'm like, hmm, tell me more more. She said, I don't want to do it alone. Like I've done the massage business. And she said, and I know I do like bookkeeping and I've got a finance background. So she said, so I need obviously someone to help with that more administrative stuff. And she's like, I just can't think of anyone else I'd rather do with than you. I'm like, okay. So we talked initially about this little barn that was for rent and we started doing pricing and working all that through and just came to the conclusion that the barn was just too small and what the equipment we needed, we would have had to change that barn so much. And mm. then we would have had, you know, a lease payment on top of that. And so we thought our dreams were dashed. But Katie lives right next door to Deer Pass Equestrian in Batavia. So we're like about 45 minutes west of Chicago. And she had just been talking to the owner about our idea and how like we might just have to sit on it for a few years, which was fine. Like we held it very loosely. Both of us, you know, have kids and husbands and we yeah. ride and like our lives are super great. So we weren't going to force it. And he was like, well, why don't you guys do it here? And we're like, I guess we could. Like we <laughs> didn't think about that. So we, yeah, we were able to work with him. So we will have, so there's already, so obviously we have cold winters. So like everyone's round pen and like Euro sizers here either don't get worked you know, don't use in the winter because it's too cold, but his actually is covered and heated. So you're able to use that complex all year. They have a Vita floor. They have like in a stall, they have a solarium in one of the grooming areas already. We just got a brand new Horse Gym USA treadmill. Love it. And then the, really the biggest thing, and this is what really got us out of that other building was when we talked to people around here, they all asked us if we were going to have a water treadmill. And we're like, what? And they're like, yeah, you know, barns around here, like they have all that other stuff. They have treadmills, but nobody has a water treadmill. Yeah. So the water treadmill will be in the barn, barns heated. And then we actually have the ability to run cold salt water in there as well. So you can tread them in the cold salt or Mm -hmm. just have them stand if they're in an injury that you actually can't have them treading. But what we found is when they're treading and they're walking, they're getting that concussion on their feet while in that cold salt water. So it's just amazing the amount of like inflammation and heat it can take out of a leg in wow. 10 minutes. It's nuts. So we'll have that as well. And then we'll obviously have the MagnaWave and then Katie will do massage. A lot of corrective exercises. So we have a vet up here. So people don't have, if they're coming from out of state and they don't have a vet that's up here, we have a vet that's actually rehab certified. So she will be the one guiding us on what we need to be doing. And so we have a couple of horses that we've already started with just a little bit. So a lot of like corrective exercises with stretching, um, using the surefoot pads, just different things like that. So 
Katie and I really have found a passion in like not only rehabbing whatever injury it is, but the fallout in their bodies from like, you know, getting off of that leg is pretty extreme in some Mm -hmm. cases, if they've got a hurt leg, what it does to the rest of their body. Yeah. So we really want to, you know, heal them, not only the injury or the surgery or whatever, but the rest of their body that's been compensating for that limb or for that part of their body. So through massage, through MagnaWave, and we have, so we have our own aisle there, our own tack room, and we've decided to just keep it small. So she laughs and says, you know, you're like sending them to Aunt Kate and Katie. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we're going to be there. Our horses are there. Our kids come, like, you know, they get fresh apples on a cart every night. Like, it's going to be very homey because what Katie pointed out to me was, you know, horses who are at a high competitive level are used to being doted on and have time spent and they're used to being kind of part of the action. And so when you take them out, you know, because they're on stall rest or because they're on, you know, that does take a toll on them. So we're able to not only, you know, not to make them seem, you know, like human, but just sort of address like even the emotional side of them Mm -hmm. or just their routine and the stability of getting attention. And, and being in like a program where, you know, in a really busy barn where everyone's showing and moving and shaking, we don't have that. They're going to just be with us. So yeah. we have, and the facility is absolutely incredible. We, and what's also neat is when your horse is ready to be ridden, you know, it still is a boarding facility. So there's mm-hmm. like a 10 acre, you know, grass pasture field with jumps. There's the outdoor, we have an indoor. I mean, it's just an absolute it's unbelievable the facility we get to run this out of. We're so lucky. So yeah, we're really excited. There's nothing like this around the Chicagoland area at yeah. all. And we're only about, I would say 25 minutes from Lamplight Equestrian okay. Center. So a lot of the shows are coming back this summer to Lamplight. So, you know, even if you're like, Hey, I'm going to do Equifest for two weeks mm-hmm. can my horse come with you guys for a week and get massaged and bite floored and solariumed and kind yeah. of, we've got private pastures and dry lots for every horse they get their own pasture so we're able even to give them or hey I'm going out of town but I don't want them to lose muscle top line yeah. whatever we'll have them come over tread with us for a few days get pampered and then then they can go back to their job without losing anything so amazing we really it's I keep saying do we really get to do this like this is so I cool know. oh so cool and so how lucky. many horses yeah. do you get to have at one time so our aisle has I think I think we can take up to nine as far as stalls go in the beginning, um, because it's really just going to be us while we are getting, you know, our routines established and what's a good amount for us. We'll probably just take three or four. We Mm -hmm. have two people who are like, as soon as you need someone, we're ready. Uh And so we just said, okay, well, we'll let you know. And if we get busy, we've got a girl who managed a huge horse farm and just needed a break from that, but is, you know, just one of the best horsewomen we know. She would easily come on to have people waiting to see um, how this goes. If people wanted to send a horse with us, if they're going to Florida, but this horse, you know, isn't showing, you know, they can leave them with us while they're in Wellington for the season. Oh, I love it. That is so exciting. You will start taking um, horses probably by by the start of the new year. Yep. Towards the end of December, I think we're making a few modifications to the water treadmill to make it a little bit more efficient. And once we used one and got trained on one, then we're able to say, okay, like, here's what we want for ours that kind of will go in with the space that we have. And obviously the need to keep um, our water tanks covered and heated because we're in Chicago, you can't just leave all that outside. So we're hoping to have the water tread here um, towards the middle of January. And then, yeah, be ready to go from there. 
Oh, that is so exciting. Katie's been on the podcast as well in an earlier episode. Mm-hmm. So I love hearing how her business is unfolded and now how you guys are doing this. It's going to be, oh, it's going to be so cool. I'm going to have to yeah, it, come up to Chicago and check it out. We would love to have you come visit us. Just make sure you do it when it's warmer. It's no fun to be yeah. here. Oh, believe me. I grew space. up in Wisconsin, so I know. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then I don't need to warn you. <laughs> but I am such yeah. a wimp now that I live in Florida. It's like 70 degrees and I'm I'm like, where's my jacket? <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, we we are planning to just launch everything. So this will all still be under the unbridled equine name. So all of the social media and stuff will stay the same. Love and it. then we just added a separate page under her normal unbridled equine website that is the rehab and performance solution side. And we've got the tools to do all of that. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. I am so excited for you guys. <laughs> and it's going to be an amazing journey. I will definitely, uh, I hope you keep me in the loop and I'll be looking on, on your Instagram as well to see all Absolutely. the new yeah, exciting stuff exciting going stuff. on. I know. I know. Like I said, we pinch ourselves every day. Like, is this for real? Just like I said, it, it just, we're so blessed. We're so lucky. Amazing. Well, thank you again. And I wish you all the best. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.